0: Welcome to another episode of the Resilient Leader Podcast, brought to you by Firestarter Business Solutions, igniting and sustaining your business growth. This podcast series aims to get under the bonnet of business leaders, to find out what fuels their motors. In other words, what makes business leaders tick? And in particular, how do they deal with the ups and downs that come with being the boss? By talking to as many leaders as we can persuade to come on this podcast, we hope to gain some understanding of their approach to business success and how that works in an unpredictable world. My name is Dave Harris and today we are very lucky to be welcoming a man who helps other leaders develop and progress their organisations and careers. Doug Elliott is an accredited coach, team facilitator and an educator. He currently holds no less than three different positions. He's a leadership coach with develop.org, who specialise in leadership development. He is a senior consultant, facilitator and coach with Prime East, a professional training and coaching organisation. And as if that weren't enough to keep him busy, he's also a guest lecturer in education and learning theory at York St. John University. So Doug, that's quite a CV. Thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. Before we get into the business of leadership and resilience and that sort of thing, perhaps you could just kind of summarise what it is you get up to. What gets you out of bed in the morning? That would be great.
1: Yeah, well, uh, the thing that really motivates me is helping other people. And uh, throughout my career, um, that's been the focus of, of what I've done. I've always been fairly values-driven. Uh, I've always wanted to make a difference. I've always wanted to have impacts. And, and what I found as my career developed was that the way to uh, maximise my impacts was really to work through other people and grow that network and, and help them be better, help them be more efficient, help them be more effective, help them to consider things perhaps from a different perspective, and hopefully to change some of their behaviours, which then uh, drives their performance.
0: Now, I know, you know, before you became a, a, a leadership coach, a consultant, an educator, you were a head teacher at some pretty big schools. and. I've always thought that that must be one of the toughest leadership roles that you can kind of take on. I mean, there are so many competing things sort of vying for your attention there. Obviously, the staff in the normal way, you've got your team under you and your senior team and the rest of the team. But then you've got you've got thousands of pupils to worry about as well. And then above you, you've probably got the Department of Education hounding you and that sort of thing. So, I would have thought that resilience would be pretty important in a head teacher.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was one of the key skills. And look, I always said that I wanted to be the head teacher. You know, I decided that I wanted to be a head teacher fairly early on in my career, partly because I observed other head teachers who at that time were much more senior than me and and I didn't always think that they were getting it right and with perhaps the arrogance of youth I thought that maybe I would be able to make a contribution in that sphere and um, so I, I always wanted to be the boss uh, but what i found actually when i became a head teacher partly because my my understanding of the role had evolved and i had become more aware of the fact that within the third sector It's all about service. Um, I actually found that I had more bosses as a head teacher than I ever had previously. So um, I was accountable to the local authority, the National Schools Commissioner. I worked for a a multi-academy trust. So there was an executive board. There was a local board. There were the union reps. Then on top of that, of course, there were were parents and students uh, and colleagues who were my direct reports as well. So it was a a multifaceted role, which was very much like plate spinning trying to work with and negotiate and uh, broker agreements between all of these disparate and diverse um, stakeholder groups. Yeah, and, 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 it, and it was a challenge and it was pressured and uh, there were times where uh, it felt like I was the meat in the sandwich to, to use a phrase of one of my former colleagues.
0: So I think you've just, uh, you've just very nicely backed up exactly what I, what I was trying to say which is that it's got to be one of the toughest roles around. So you you're obviously pretty well qualified for for this podcast not only having done that but also now helping others to to lead. So tell me about your your view of resilience. I mean obviously we've you've already said that yes it's very important for a head teacher but in leadership in general do you think resilience is a is a very necessary skill even in normal times?
1: I think resilience is perhaps the key skill and it's easy to be a leader when things are easy. You know, when when everyone's moving in the same direction, when everyone's on the same page, when when the challenges just seem to part like the red sea before you. Uh, then then leading in those circumstances seems and feels fairly straightforward. You know, the main focus there is is on communicating and celebrating success and. Uh, making sure that the the kpis all all add up but it's it's really when uh we are dealing with adversity that the the, the authentic leadership becomes properly necessary um, it's very difficult i believe to lead in a way that doesn't uh, resonate with your core beliefs and i think that in terms of resilience that's what we need to fall back on that's what what we need to rely on so In some of the coaching work that I do at the moment, uh, working with some some leaders facing some extreme challenges uh, because of the pandemic, I try and get them to refocus on their core beliefs and and, and their their vision and purpose. Um, We can always talk about structures and engagement from an OD point of view, but uh, actually if we can get the purpose and the vision correct and shared properly, then people always manage, in my experience, to find the resilience to keep working towards that vision, um, as long as as long as it's properly aligned with their purpose.
0: So you mentioned the the current uh, crisis, then, and I, so I wonder whether you could tell me what you think have been the particular challenges of this crisis for business leaders, and and how they and indeed you have responded uh, to those challenges.
1: So working with some leaders who find that they are facing challenges beyond their control, I think that. In general my experience of leaders and leadership is that the people who end up in leadership positions are the people who like being in control who like to be proactive who like to take charge of things things don't happen to them by accident um, and one of the biggest challenges for leaders currently is accepting um, that there are elements of this that are beyond their control we all talk a lot about pivoting and. And reframing business and finding new uh, income uh, revenue streams and all that sort of stuff but but fundamentally there are some leaders that i am working with currently who who cannot just pivot their entire business in a new way because of what their business is and what their business does and they are finding it extremely tough i'm thinking of some specific examples but they are they are working within within a global uh, marketplace and that becomes very difficult because of travel restrictions or they're working within a specific sector um, where because of the restrictions on people's movements the market has just disappeared so there are some real challenges for those people leading rounds of redundancy you know that's something I had to do as a head teacher and um, so it's something I have a, a, a lot of empathy with I I took a, one, one of the schools where I was a leader um, and delivered 1.4 million annual savings out of a 5.2 million annual budget you know it was a fairly painful process um, and i know that there are a lot of businesses going through that at the moment and sometimes those leaders in terms of preserving their own resilience just need to talk things through and they need to be able to sound things out in a in a way with me, that they can't do with other people within the organisation. Because everyone within the organisation is very aware of the, the potential pitfalls that are facing all of them. Um, so being able to be that objective, challenging, supportive third party gives me a real insight. And, and I've got to say, it, actually, for the, for the leaders that I've been working with, it's been a real privilege as well.
0: it sounds to me as if your role as a, as a, as a mentor, if I can call you a mentor, uh, and a coach, could really come into its own, or has really come into its own over this crisis.
1: Well, yeah, but but it's a double-edged sword, you know. And and, and ultimately, when uh, business leaders' backs are against the wall, they they have to look at the bottom line. So so there are challenges for me in my own business as well in terms of uh, convincing people to part with their very hard-earned money at the moment in order to buy in my services. I mean, I clearly believe that I I can offer support and challenge and I have a methodology for doing that which uh, doesn't seek to provide any answers and um, so I, I do see myself more as a coach than a mentor but the, the leaders that I work with spend so much time so much energy you know almost every waking minute and for some of them even dream time as well thinking about the problems that they are facing. I couldn't possibly in a one-hour consultation come in and understand to the same depth what they understand about their business and their context and their situation. What I can do though is to help them take a step back from it and view it in a more productive and rational and effective way and I think that's very much the skill sets uh, that I developed as a head and um, I'm now applying in, a, in broader sectors.
0: You, you mentioned there some of the, the challenges you face in your business. People are you know, perhaps less willing to uh, to spend money on things outside the business at the moment for understandable reasons. So clearly, that as you say, there have been challenges for you as well. So how have you dealt with that? And has the period over the last six, or seven months taught you anything? Has it made you change your mind about any aspect of your business philosophy? Or has it just confirmed what you already knew?
1: I don't think it's changed my mind about my philosophy, um, but it has changed my mind in terms of the way that i approach some some pipeline management on a practical day-to-day basis so um, my purpose and my vision absolutely you know as i was discussing before that, that remains true to my core values that that hasn't changed because of the crisis and i think that i've faced many crises throughout my career often instigated by ofsted i've got to say well that's another story so so for me this is just another crisis and and i I don't mean to downplay it or belittle it anyway i know that it's creating uh, huge issues for for a lot of people but the reality is that that crisis management staying calm thinking about things rationally is a is a key part of of what leaders do uh, good leaders anyway so uh, in in terms of the practicalities of of it uh, the things that i'm doing differently are targeting different sectors so uh, although it emotionally feels to me like a slightly retrograde step is i am actually doing more work in education delivering uh, online training courses um, still focused around leadership development but but very very much targeting the education sector you know just to keep my business moving forwards but it's still using the same skills it's still using the same methodology it's just applying it within an area which, because it's publicly funded and because it's a national priority, hasn't been hit in any way by the COVID crisis. Of course, the reality is education is hit with, a, with an ongoing funding crisis year on year. So I don't want to suggest for a second that it's, a, it's an easy marketplace in any way, but it's certainly a bit more predictable in terms of future revenues than some of the commercial partners that I'm doing some work with.
0: So, tell me a little bit about your personal approach to resilience, because clearly, from everything you've said uh, over the last ten minutes, you know you've faced some real challenges as, as as first as a head teacher and now as a coach. What do you do to help maintain, to top up your resilience, if you like? Do you have any any routines or rituals or, or things that you you know can bolster your your resilience?
1: Yeah, absolutely, and uh, some of those techniques have been learnt have been learnt over over years, and some of them uh, a are, are, are part of what I learned not just within my career, but actually in terms of personal core skills. I think so. Uh, as a, as a younger man, I was very much into the outdoors and have been mountaineering across the world uh, in the Alps, European Alps, been climbing Japan, in America, been to Canada a few times, and. Um, what the outdoors has taught me about resilience is is pretty significant. I hesitate to tell this story almost, but it's, it's one that my, my own kids have heard many times. Fourteen hours into a, a day in, in the Alps and you've just missed the last cable car down, you, you've got two options. You either walk down back to the valley in the comfort of your tent or lodgings, or you stay up high on a mountain and, and get extremely cold overnight with no food or shelter or... Warm, enough warm clothing so that was a, a formative one of my formative experiences as a younger person but I think that you know the physical aspects of resilience are in some ways the easy ones I think that the the mental resilience can be harder I often say it is what it is um, and I'm very much focused on moving forwards uh, I don't think we can go back and change the past and I, I think that understanding the past is key um, but only to inform the choices and the decisions that we make for the future so i mean it's such a massive question and and, and it, the, the question fills my head with lots of potential responses but i i think it's vital for us to take time out to recharge our batteries uh, at times to empty our minds and um, because if we don't empty our minds then we can't find new solutions if we if we Keep on doing what we've always done. And we'll end up in the same position again. A lot of these are leadership cliches, aren't they? But I actually believe that a lot of those are cliches because they have so much resonance with so many people and they get used again and again. So I got to ask: Did you did you come down the mountain? Yeah. Well, we had to walk down. So I'm I'm here to tell the tale. So, yeah, it was a it was a tough lesson, um, and it was it was an extremely long day. But um, I also know from from quite a lot of reading about other other mountaineers and other other amazing physical activities that actually there's there's some fairly serious research that says when you think you are at your physical limits you've probably actually only used about 30 percent of what you've got in store and you know if you look at professional athletes they're the people who are able to break that barrier and dig deeper so most people even when you are uh, dead on your feet can find that extra that gets them there I think the danger with leaders is that too often they do dig deep and then um, that becomes their new norm and they forget to reset and go back to taking a Friday night off or turning the phone off or not answering their emails. Um, So that's why I say that an important part of resilience is that sort of self-maintenance and self-care. Uh, another one of the cliches that i like to use is that the first rule of first aid is don't become the next casualty you know if somebody gets run over by a car you need to check that there are no more cars coming before you dash out in the into the road to help them and um, so so i think that that's a key to is, is looking after yourself
0: in your experience as as, as first as a head teacher and, and and now you know looking after other leaders do you think it's important that leaders have a positive influence over their teams over over the people under them in other words I suppose what I'm trying to say is you know transferring those resilient skills to the people that work for you so that they in turn can cope with the with the crises that they have to face
1: yeah absolutely and and I think we've probably all come across leaders who we've worked for who perhaps don't model out those those healthy behaviors um and Look, there are times in my leadership where I probably didn't model it out either. I always believed as the head teacher, that I should be the first one in the car park and the last one out of the car park at the end of the day. That isn't perhaps living the principles that I was just talking about. Having that influence is, for me, about modelling, um, but it's also about having a clear expectation, about offering support, about, about allowing people the flexibility to do things in their own way. You know, there's nothing more frustrating than being told you've got to do this job by three o'clock on Friday, and I expect you to do this by two o'clock on Tuesday, and this by four o'clock on Wednesday, and this by half past ten on Thursday. On the on the way, you know, if if we properly value the people who we have working for us, we ought to give them some sort of freedom. Um, that maybe has to be earned over time. I not I wouldn't advocate doing that for somebody who's, who you appointed this week but once they have earned that trust you need to allow people to do things in their own way and to use their own creativity um, and to use their own knowledge and experience and skills because they understand their own skills probably better than anybody else so um, facilitating that rather than imposing your way of doing things I think is, is quite important as well that helps develop resilience in other people because it gives them more responsibility for the outcome and as long as the outcome is expressed as a clear expectation and the consequences of either meeting it or not meeting it are are open and honest from the outset, um, then I I don't think there's a problem with that.
0: I want to ask you uh, about the divide between business and personal life in the sense that that's something that's been challenging for a lot of people over the last six months, working from home and that sort of thing, where, where the line between business and personal has been blurred. And I wonder whether you think business resilience naturally transfers into personal resilience. Are they one and the same thing, or, or do you regard them as, as separate?
1: Oh, that's a, that's a
0: really interesting
1: question. I can think of some very clear examples of people who I thought were incredibly resilient as leaders but not incredibly resilient personally, but I think more often that um, because I believe the foundation of uh, leadership is about purpose and vision and core values, I think that unless those are aligned, then there are opportunities for things to go wrong. So more often than not, there is something about somebody's personality um, that allows them to lead well and again one of the things that i do is help people look into that and try and understand themselves so that they understand what it is about their personality that helps them lead and you know leadership doesn't always have to mean that you're the person at the front of the group holding the map saying it's this way leadership can also be done from the back of the group um, by questioning and challenging but whatever your role is within a leadership team, I think if you can be clear on what that role is and how that ties into your personality and your own leadership style, I think that's where uh, the best synergy comes from and that's what makes people most effective as leaders. So in terms of the the personal um, stuff, sometimes it's it's hard, isn't it? Because, we, well, I don't know many people who, who sit down and write a mission statement for their personal lives but i think we all probably have one we just don't choose to express it that clearly all the time you know we we probably choose our friends and relationships based on people who have similar core values and uh you know that could mean um, in terms of your personal actives I, I often talk with my wife about you know the fact that we are friends with people who have probably similar parenting styles to us and um, so I think that synergy and the models of leadership that we apply to business and and commerce are equally applicable to our home lives and our personal lives. It's not an area that I touch on very much in my professional work. I like to have some pretty clear separation. Um, I don't want to tell people how to live their lives. Um, I don't want to tell them how to run the businesses. I just want to help them think about it and try and try and work out how to do it best for themselves.
0: Now, the idea for these podcasts came out of the Firestarter Forums, uh, which have been held over the period of the lockdown and are still going on now uh, online. And I wonder whether you think that sort of thing, that sort of online forum is good as part of a coping mechanism for uh, resilience? Well, I, I certainly found the
1: Firestarter Forums to be incredibly beneficial for my own resilience. I think when lockdown first started and the forums kicked off, uh, I found it incredibly reassuring to be in an environment where we could openly and honestly share our concerns and our worries about the future. We were able to share the problems that we were facing and the, the potential solutions that we had. You know, I'm a great believer that two heads are better than one. And sometimes a problem shared is a problem halved. And I think that FireStats forum Absolutely uh, helped me deal with that. It gave me um, some fresh ideas about pivoting. It made me change my own thinking about my target markets. Um, allowed me to do some pivoting work. So that that had a direct impact in terms of uh, you know my my business development and pipeline management, but also just the the emotional aspect of it of of meeting some new people um, who I knew would have shared interests uh, and some elements of, of shared values because we were all part of the broad and broader starter family that created a, a superb environment for us to be able to share discuss ask questions there was no sense or i didn't get any sense of judgment or um, having to show off or prove ourselves or justify why we were doing things it was it was a really powerful and rewarding experience for me
0: you uh, mentioned there uh, a little bit about planning and pivoting and, and, and looking to the future. So for the final question, I, I wonder if you could um, talk about how leaders plan forward, because obviously there is so much uncertainty at the moment. You know, when you're advising leaders and when you're thinking about your own uh, work as well, how on earth do we do we plan ahead when so much is unknown at the moment? I think,
1: yeah, it, it's, it is an interesting question. And we we talk about the, the VUCA world, you know, volatility, uncertainty, you know, all, all of that stuff. If we get our core leadership behaviours right, I think that the uncertainty is something that we can deal with culturally. And I think that, you know, having a broad, diverse leadership culture within an organisation where different opinions, different ideas are, are, are aired and can be expressed and can be talked through, that allows organisations to be responsive and reactive, to pivot quickly if they need to, to, but also to make sure that there is there is a balance um, so that the things can't be overturned or upset on a, on a short-term basis. Um, moving forwards, I think that we should always, and this comes back to resilience again, I think we should always be looking for opportunities every challenge can be an opportunity it can be an opportunity to do something different it can be an opportunity to do something new that can sound a little trite and i i don't want to again i don't want to underestimate any of the difficulties that people are facing commercially or personally at the moment um but working from home for example is a a fantastic opportunity for many people some people struggle with it some people um depending on their personality types maybe would prefer to be in the office some people like that separation between home and work but other people see the opportunity in reducing their windscreen time um in reducing their carbon footprint in gaining new technology skills where they can do meetings zoom meetings podcasts even and to communicate what they want to communicate and i think that there are opportunities um, and holding on to that hope that we can find the opportunities in the the darkest times is something that helps resilience and and helps us move forward because if we only focus on the negatives and the things that we've lost then the world at the moment looks like a pretty dark place.
0: Thank you Doug for giving us an optimistic note to end on there. You've been listening to the Resilient Leader podcast with my expert guest, Doug Elliott, leadership coach and educator, who's been sharing some of his leadership resilience approaches with us. If you've enjoyed the podcast and found Doug's insight useful, then please join us on one of those Firestarter forums that we mentioned in the podcast. They're held online on the second Thursday of every month, They're completely free of charge. All you've got to do is register on the Firestarter website at www.firestartersolutions.co.uk. We look forward to you joining us for our next podcast episode, but in the meantime, please subscribe and keep listening.